0: We have missed being together. Uh, And on my way in this morning, I I saw a bright and powerful rainbow, and I looked at that and I thought, it's all going to come to an end, like the promises of God, all of these restrictions and restraints that we've been going going through, it will pass uh, eventually. And as I came into church this morning, I saw this dear lady over here with our Face mask on, and a rainbow, and the word "hope" written across it. Uh, so thank you for wearing that this morning, and reminding us too that this too will pass. This is a, a Sunday before Christmas that I have never experienced before. No children, no Christmas tree. Uh, very unusual. And uh, by the grace of God, next Christmas will be very different to this. And so, so much better, uh, but thank you for your invitation to come and to share god 's Word with you on this day, and for those of you who are joining us online as well it 's uh, good to be with you and good, good to be able to share something with you. I want to speak uh, I, although the heading is "Shepherds and Angels," a little bit about the surprises of God, uh, because there are quite a number of these especially around the season of nativity, as we look into the nativity stories in the New Testament. The way in which God acts takes us by surprise. I brought with me a little package this morning. I think we all love these little packages that other people in friends and family have thought very carefully about us before they've gone out and got something for us and wrapped it up concealing it so that we don't know what it is until that Christmas morning when we open it up and we find out what's inside. I don't know of anybody who doesn't enjoy opening up a Christmas parcel from a loved one and finding out what is concealed behind it. I hope to remember to take that one away uh, with me this morning afterwards, but I'll leave that there just for now. There are at least two elements to Christmas, which we enjoy, particularly as Christians. And to be analytical about it, there is the element of family and friends and having family and friends around. And if you do a vox pop with people in the streets, they'll say, what does Christmas mean to you? The word family comes up time and time again. But for us as Christians, there is also the sacred element and that would be our primary interest at Christmas time the celebration of the birth of the Savior, God's gift to us, to us of His Son. And that is our primary focus. So we have the two in parallel. And I think it helps to realize that these two coexist. Uh, and it's great to have family and friends and people around. And we're going to miss that this year to some degree. But the the constant that remains is the sacred aspect of Christmas, the focus on Jesus, our Lord and Savior. And that is, of course, the focus of the sermon here this morning. God's interventions in our experience of life can take us by surprise. As they say, there are some of these in these nativity stories. One of the surprises that we, well, one of the surprises that we read uh, is the appearance of the angels. The the angels, they're a little bit like bystanders in some some, uh, respect, but they are fairly prominent in these nativity narratives. An angel appears to Joseph no less than four times. Luke records the angel Gabriel meeting with Zechariah and speaking with Zechariah, and then the angel Gabriel speaks to Mary, and then there is not only one angel but a whole heavenly host appearing to the shepherds on the hillside. Here's an extract from this particular story. It's in Luke chapter 2, verses 8 to 16. on those on whom His favor rests. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. God sometimes Acts in ways we don't expect. We can imagine these Christmas stories being told by various people that we come across in the stories. And I've heard sermons, and you've probably heard sermons too. I've preached sermons from various perspectives. How did Mary see it? How would she have told the story? How would Joseph? have told the story, or the shepherds for that matter. I've even heard a sermon on the Christmas story from the perspective of the innkeeper. And it's not surprising because we don't have many passages to preach on at Christmas, and we return to these time and time again. It is stimulating to look at the Christmas story and imagine how these events worked out in the sight of the various characters that we come across. But what about the angels? How did the angels look upon the birth of the Savior? What would they have thought about this time when Jesus, the Son of God, was born? They do have this prominent role And yet, in some ways, a little bit like their character, they're hidden. I think angels like to hide. We read that in Isaiah chapter 6, where the angels, with their wings, they cover their their faces and they cover their their feet. They're they're hiding from something of the glory so that the greater glory of God may be revealed. And yet, they carry out the will of the Lord. What must have it have been like for them. I reckon that there was a time that the angels did not know what these events, uh, how these events were going to turn out. Only God knows the future in its fullness. And I'm going to use a little bit of imagination here. But there would have been a time that these angels were told, and they would have known before we knew that the Jesus, the Son of God, was to be born, because they were the means by which some of these truths were communicated in advance. They predicted the birth of the Savior. Mary was told that she would bear a child even though she had known no man. So, I imagine a question and answer, a Q&A between the angels and the archangel as the word is going to be explained to them, the, what is going to actually happen. They might have asked, God is coming into the world to be born as a baby? Why? And I suppose it could have been explained to them that it would be to communicate. What better way to communicate, for God to communicate to humankind, than to become a man himself? I've thought about that in the past. I've thought about if I were to want to speak to an ant and to communicate with an ant, the best way to communicate with an ant would to become an ant, and then I would have the antenna, and I could pass the signals on to another ant because I was speaking their language. God became a man in order that He could not only speak to us, to communicate to us in language that we understood, but to show us what God is like, and supremely to atone for our sin through the cross so that we could be forgiven and transformed and prepared for glory for heaven itself. But what kind of welcome would he get? Perhaps this question would be asked as well. Paradoxically, uh, this this is um, full of contradictions. There are lots of paradoxes here. Instead of being welcomed, he meets hostility. He's born a king, but not in a palace. He's the son of God, but he will serve the people. He will do no wrong, and yet he will be punished in an extreme way for the sins of the people voluntarily, so that they might put their faith in him and be saved. They might have asked, How will this start? Not in a stable, uh, not in a palace, but in a stable. And who is going to get to know about it? Well, the first people will be the poor shepherds, full of surprises. The story. Who's going to get to announce it? They might have asked. You will, angels, so you better get the choir ready. Well, that's least likely to be the full story, but there would have been a communication of these events, and if they'd known the future, they could have asked the question, or they could have asked the question, how will his birthday be celebrated in the future? And it could have been told to them that, in fact, uh, well, not quite in the way that people would expect, and there'd be more attention given to a character with a red coat and a white beard than there would be to the Son of God, but then that's another story. What are some of the surprises that we find in this story? Well, firstly, the birth is announced to the shepherds. The birth is announced to the shepherds. We read here in the story about shepherds on a hillside, and I can imagine what it would have been a little bit like for them, these these shepherds. They would have been carrying on with their usual conversations, conversations, I don't know what they would have talked about. There would have been a fire somewhere and a big pot, and they would have been cooking their meal, warming themselves beside the fire, and going around about their their duties as they normally would. And then all of a sudden this angel appears, and they're terrified by the appearance of the angel, which is not surprising. I mean, if we were to see an angel like they saw an angel we would probably feel the same way. We would not quite understand what was going on. And perhaps they thought they were in trouble. Well, it was quite the opposite. In fact, God had chosen to announce to them the the, uh, birth of His own Son, the Savior. And He was announcing this to the people that we would least expect to be the first to hear. I mean, if we had a little quiz here and we didn't know the story and we asked the question, who will God announce the birth of the Savior to, first of all? We might think the Archbishop of Canterbury, maybe the King, the Queen. Or we could have go through a whole list of all kinds of people we would think as important people. But instead, the birth of the Savior is announced to the poor, the marginalized, and those who were, by and large, excluded from society just because of the nature of their work. How gracious of God to act in this way. These shepherds of all people, because of their occupation, were looked down upon. They were never allowed into the temple courts because they, well, because of the nature of their work, they were constantly ceremonially unclean. And yet, without their service, there wouldn't be any any lambs to be produced for the sacrifices in the temple. It seems, strikes me as an entire hypocrisy here. God chose them. And I think there is an application to this. The more that we might feel excluded or marginalized or looked down upon by people, and it could be somebody watching on the live stream here, perhaps you just feel a little bit like, well, other people are more respected than you are. God looks at things differently. Nobody is excluded from the grace of God no matter how they may feel or how people treat them. God cares for the poor, for the lonely, for the marginalized, for those who feel, in some way, excluded. And perhaps the birth of Jesus was announced to the poor and to the lowly so that no one would feel that God would pass them by. What was this message? Well, the message to the shepherds was that a Savior would be born, is going to be born to you. I love that. It's personal, isn't it? The Messiah, the Lord. And not only was there a message, but there was a sign to go with it. If you go, you will find the baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. This was a lot for them to take in. Now, I suppose they could have said, this has been a really unusual evening. We heard a message here. We've been told that there is a sign. Well, will we go? Nah, maybe not. We'll just leave that. We'll, we'll just kind of get over it, over this. No, they followed up on this. They were overwhelmed with this message, and they were told that they would find the baby. So they went, and they looked, and they found the Christ child. They went to see for themselves. And this moves us into the second of these surprises here. Not only do we have uh, God speaking first this message to the shepherds, but the shepherds are the first visitors to the family. The shepherds are Jesus' first visitors. This is the second point. So here's another surprise in the story: the shepherds go to see for themselves, and they find him. Just imagine how Mary and Joseph felt about this. The last thing that they would expect would be a group of shepherds to turn up at the mouth of the cave or the entrance of the of the um, stable, which whatever it was, and however we imagined that place where the animals were kept, and yet they did. And they recounted their story of the angel. This must have been a wonderful thing for them to hear. There's nothing else in the Bible that tells us what happened to these shepherds. We're introduced to them here. I would love to think that they tracked and traced and followed through on the story to find out how things turned out for them. They wanted to know, they, maybe they heard later about Jesus going out and preaching and healing the sick and, and they would be able to talk with one another if they were still living by that time and share the story and reminisce of the time when they went to see the Christ child. It was a saviour has been born to you. I would like to think that they opened their hearts to the grace of God and trusted in Jesus as their Lord. The Bible doesn't tell us, but they went to see, and they found Him. The greatest gift that anyone can receive at Christmas is the Savior. The Bible tells us, God so loved the world. It's a very famous text, John three sixteen. God so loved the world that He gave, and that's the word there, He gave the gift. His only begotten Son, that whoever believes in Him will not perish, but have eternal life. I would love to think that the shepherds received that gift of salvation, and I believe they did. Perhaps you're watching online, or maybe the recorded message at a later date. You also can come to the Savior like they did. When you seek, you will find that is the promise. This is a message, but there is a sign that goes with it. That if you seek the Lord, you will find Him. Just like the shepherds did. But let's bring this up to date. What about angels ministering today? I wonder if you have ever encountered an angel Perhaps you have. Maybe it's a story that you keep to yourself. Or perhaps you've discerned that somehow God had intervened in a very special way through the ministry of angels to help you in time of need. Paul read from Hebrews chapter 1, and that passage goes on to tell us, Are not all angels ministering spirits sent to serve those who will inherit salvation. Angels like to try to conceal something of their glory in their presence, but nevertheless they are active, as they were uh, overtly active, as we read of the, the stories here. I have a couple of stories to share with you, A couple of these are sensitive stories. Um, These are particular stories. These don't have a general application, and I want to stress that. They don't have a general application. But uh, I once chose to preach on the subject of angels, and I invited testimonies. And some people came to that service and shared their own experiences. One of these experiences was of a um, a mother to be who had been told that there could be something wrong with with the baby that she was going to deliver and she was advised to have a termination as i say this is a particular instance it doesn't have a general application and uh, she was in the hospital and they were very uneasy about it and the husband was traveling to the hospital one evening to visit before this took place and every traffic light that he reached turned red, Everyone, red, 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 all of the way, and he said to himself, if this next traffic light turns to red, I'll take it as a sign that we shouldn't go through with this. The traffic lights turned to red. He went and visited his wife, and they came home and gave birth to a healthy boy. He's now a grown-up man, He's taken on the business that uh, these are friends of mine I'm, I'm describing here. That was one incident. Another one was of a, of a friend who uh, was heading out one day. It was, it was actually on the 21st of October 1971. And a young mother of 30 years of age with her daughter was heading out to Clarkston, She had a brand new car and was looking looking forward to driving it. They'd already been out in it and came back and it was sitting in the driveway and she was about to head down to the shops to do a bit of shopping. It was a particular shop she wanted to go to in Clarkston that afternoon. She went out to try and start the car and as she tried the car, it wouldn't start. She tried, she tried and she tried and it would not start. So she gave up. That afternoon, the gas explosion in Clarkston took place, and she noted there were many fatalities as a result of this, and she noted that she would have been in the shop at the time of the explosion. When her husband came home, she told the story. He went out, tried the car, and the car started. She never had a problem before. She never had a problem after. And she wondered whether it was the ministry of angels that had prevented that disaster coming to her door. After doing this, I'd met a couple of Nigerian friends who were Igala. Liz and I worked in Nigeria amongst the Igala for a while, and Uh, we were in Strathclyde Park, and I heard these people speaking with one one another, and I thought, I know that language. So I went up and spoke to them in a gala, and they were taken aback that somebody knew their language, and these became very good friends, uh, Christians. And I was invited to go along to speak uh, and to share a a little Christmas message in the home with, with family and friends, And I went along, and I thought, I'll share the story of angels. And I focused in on the angels in the the nativity stories and told a couple of these stories, one about the traffic lights, one about the Clarkston disaster. And he didn't tell me at the time. It was only later that he told me that as he heard me recounting this, His wife was expecting a baby, and they had been told that there may be, they were questioning the viability of the fetus and whether they should actually consider a termination. On the basis of that meeting that I had with them and sharing this story, and as I say, they didn't tell me, they decided to go ahead with the birth of the child, and only after a healthy, baby girl was born to them. Did they they tell me about this? I just sense that God was in all of these circumstances, particular circumstances, no general application, but anecdotes of the presence of God near to His people in time of need. Angels are present throughout the ministry of Jesus announcing his, predicting his birth, announcing his birth, singing praise to God before the shepherds at that annunciation. They minister to Jesus after his experience of temptation in the wilderness and in the extremity of his agony in the Garden of Gethsemane. They roll the stone away at the resurrection, and they announce the second coming of the Lord. God is nearer than we think, as are His heavenly messengers. And if you are in a moment of extremity, a time of extremity, going through difficulties, God is near to you, brother or sister, in Christ. Angels hold a fascination for us, but it's good to be reminded, as we were, from the book of Hebrews that Christ is greater than angels. And not only are angels sent to believers as ministering spirits to help us in time of need, but Jesus Himself, who is greater than angels, is also with us, born to us, as a little baby, coming to the excluded and the marginalized as a message to us all that no, not one person is beyond the grace of God. And what about this parcel? I'm not going to open it and show you what's inside. As a symbol For those who might be thinking, here is a message, and there is a sign, and if I seek the Saviour, I can find Him. It's a little bit like opening the package. You will not know what is for you from God unless you take that inquisitiveness a little further and seek out the Saviour for yourself. And in doing so, it is only then that you will discover, like the opening of a package, what surprises and what good things God has got for you. We're going to move on in the service.